This week, we're digging through indie wrestling's entrails and trying to predict the future as we take a deep dive on the state of American professional wrestling outside Vince Land and discuss where we see everything going in 2020. Also, Tessie Blanchard continues to be horrible, and Dynamite was on a boat, so we should probably cover those too. All this and more tonight on Hugh Alternative. Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020, and welcome to episode 14 of Heal Alternative, Pro Wrestling.cool's Posse Podcast, where we cover the world of professional wrestling outside Vince's purview. Heck of a show for y'all tonight, and let us waste no time because we got a whole bunch to discuss here. We're gonna run the whole gamut, and it's gonna be great. So stick around, it's gonna be cool. I'm your host, John Gibbons Maxwell. Joining me as always, we have Oscar Bernard. Hey, what's up? And Trace Evans. Hey, how you doing, John? I can't complain. How y'all doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing, you know, I'm in a lot of pain, but I mean, what else is new? It's very cold here in New York, and, you know, I gotta say, watching this week's Dynamite did make me kind of wish I was, like, somewhere warm in the Bahamas. Maybe not on a boat, because, like being on a boat for multiple days actually sounds like my idea of hell, but... Yeah, that's terrifying. But what about being on a boat with Chris Jericho for multiple days? Ugh, even worse. I mean, is he inviting Donald Trump Jr.? Uh, no, it didn't do enough ratings. Oh, thank God. But he might want to invite someone else, because who knows? He just wants to hear the questions. He wants to ask them. He wants to hear both sides of the issue. He wants to get those driven interactions with the audience on the internet. Look, just close the loop and have him invite Joe Rogan on so that he can teach him how to be Joe Rogan. Yeah, I was about to say, wait, is Chris Jericho going to get really into shooting DMT into his eyeballs now? (laughs) I mean, who's to say he hasn't already done this trying to be cool? Wait, but that this would be does a very mean, cool though, that move. Chris Jericho will endorse Bernie Sanders. Shit. All right, fuck. If that's how we're going from non-political Jericho to Bernie Sanders Jericho, let's go. Da, comrade Jericho, thank you for joining the revolution. Okay. Question. Yeah. If David yeah. Starr is the Bernie Sanders of professional wrestling, who is the David Starr of politics? Uh, I mean, I feel like you've answered that question. Okay, shit. Yeah, I guess you're right here. <laughs> it's just I it's you're, I guess one you're line. right here because, because just like Hillary Clinton and Gabe Sapolsky would say, nobody likes him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Checks out. My other question then, who's the Chris Jericho of politics? Gary Johnson. Biden. I mean... I am really excited for Chris Jericho's cereal, a little bit of the corn pop. <laughs> God damn it. ProWrestling.cool, your number one source for politics. We're wrestling journalists. That means we're the only people equipped to fucking handle this hell world where a Hall of Famer is president. We've been living it for so many years now. I forgot what it's like to not be in this world. Mm-hmm. We love it, folks. We love to be here. Hey, man. Rock 2024. Hey, he said he was going to run 
this year. Damn it. He and Tom Hanks, what happened? Well, look, Tom Hanks got Oscar buzz. Okay, well, that's cool, but Dwayne's around. Goddamn cod eating centrist. I thought Dwayne had said 2024 he was going to run. I thought he said 2020. It was Kanye. Oh, yeah, it was Kanye that was running after Trump. Wow, can't tell Rock and Kanye apart. Weird. Look, they're all weird celebrities that I don't want involved in politics. I mean, that is completely true, and yet, um, here's the hell world we live in. I wonder what The Rock is like politically. I, I think radical I said it centrist. best. Yeah, very radical centrist loves cod. Cod-eating centrist. I still am eagerly looking forward to 2040 because I'm thoroughly convinced that the Jackman article is coming true and we're going to have incumbent president AJ Styles versus Malia Obama. I don't see any reason why this wouldn't happen. Exactly. Look, look, if WWE 2K20 is to be believed, The Rock becomes president by beating Kane in the election. Yeah, I can see that too. Does he go through a table? Uh, Politics is for civility. This does not change the uh, question at all. Thanks, Democratic Party. Appreciate that. Uh, Kane will put The Rock through a table because he's the Republican. But uh, The Rock will just say, I'm not going to that level. See, I thought it would be a case where at that point it'd be like, you know, The Rock is the uh, Republican candidate and Kane is a Libertarian candidate because we are truly in the biggest hellscape ever. Ah, fuck. I think he killed. He nailed it. Fuck. I just, folks, it's only going to get worse if you don't make it better. Speaking of things that are only going to get worse before they get better, let's talk about wrestling. Hell yeah, let's go. Let's cover our first topic tonight. We got some news to follow up on from uh, last week's deluge of all these things. Uh, One of those things we talked about was a new Impact World Champion, Tessa Blanchard. Uh Uh-huh. And the great things that she's been doing of going on Twitter and and making snide comments and then getting her fucking shit kicked in by basically every woman on the fucking planet. This is like the biggest example. Log the fuck off. Really, when your defenders are like moose, maybe (laughs) you should log the fuck off. Yeah. I didn't know moose was problematic. He did something. I don't, I don't remember what exactly he did, but he did something. Mm, There's a boy. reason he lives on the island of misfit wrestlers. <laughs> oh, God damn it. So let's go to this bad tweet. Yep. So as we discussed last week, uh, Tessa Blanchard was accused of multiple things by multiple people, including an incident in Japan where she spat on uh, the wrestler Lala Rosa Negra and called her the N-word. Yep, that's terrible. granted, this is not the only person that she's apparently spat on or bullied or done shitty things to, but definitely one of the few ones where it's like, oh, you straight up called this person the N-word and there were multiple witnesses who Mm -hmm. all corroborated this. She Mm -hmm. was just saying her ring name and got carried away. I mean, I'm surprised she actually didn't try to make that argument. 
That would have been Just like kind of the ideal. Hire me for PR. That would have been the ideal bad excuse that still wouldn't work. So Oscar, I'm sorry, I'd still get the money, but that's not going to play. Hey, I don't care if it plays. I just want I just want to take Tessa Blanchard's money. The thing is, Fair. Trace, it would have worked a lot better than what she actually tried to do. Eek. Okay, let's hear it. So yeah, uh, after we recorded, um, so on Friday she put out yet another statement about this. Uh, you know, as we had discussed last week, uh, her original statement was just not true. That's all I'm going to say about it. Right. Yeah. Friday, she puts out a tweet. Or actually, I'm sorry. It was Thursday night. Um, she puts out a tweet. She just says, I hope everyone will take a moment to read this uh, and post a screen cap of, of a thing that she wrote, which says, Over the last week, I have been accused of calling a fellow wrestler a racial slur. To read this allegation has been personally upsetting. To be clear, I absolutely did not use that. That word is not in my, my vocabulary. That word is not in my heart. Racism is not in my heart. Yet I know many people have to deal with racism in a way that I still never have to. Racism is an awful part of American history, and it is equally awful that it is still a part of our society today. While I did not do what was claimed, I stand ready to use my platform to support the fight against racism however I can. Yeah, that is bullshit. Yeah, there's a reason that my response to this was to use the, our Twitter at the heel turn to post the the, uh, the doubt gif at her. Yeah, I mean, follow if at you, the heel turn for the best wrestling shit posts on the planet. I mean, you should really turn that account into that. Like, what's the worst could happen at this point? I mean, that's literally the plan. John yeah. post by bad post by bad XFL picture. That one is too bad. <laughs> That one's not going to actually get us in trouble because Twitter doesn't understand nuance or subtlety, and that is also completely unsubtle, and I don't have to want to have to explain to people, hey, no, it's a joke. We're not being serious with this really fucking problematic picture that Oscar made. As somebody who has gotten himself in trouble by not uh, understanding that the internet does not understand nuance, yeah, uh, stay away from that. As I said to Owen... If I post that, black Twitter is going to come down on us, and it's going to be deserved. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. We're too white to make this work. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, to, to your point, Trace, I will say that, like, while I, I think that there's some, some value in the, the second paragraph of that statement there, that oh, yeah. first paragraph, like, if you're really going to be sitting here saying that racism is not in your heart and all that shit, you're a fucking liar. I'm sorry. Yeah, at that point, you're basically saying, you know, I am a good and pure human being who has definitely never done any wrong since, like, everybody's been calling out and saying exactly the opposite. And to the second thing, I'm going to use my account to try and mobilize. No, you're just saying that so people shut up and you can go back to doing whatever the fuck you do. Yeah. You know when she said, not true, that's all I'm going to say? Yeah, that was probably she, better she off left that way. Not, she should have just made that all she was going to say. And this story from. The story probably would have gone away. Yeah, I mean, instead she just kind of, you know, did this whole thing of like, oh, I have a good heart. I don't, you know, have these things. This word is not in my heart. Like, that's the kind of bullshit that's just like, if you're saying that, like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sure that you really think that you're not a racist person, not all these things. For one, 
you're racist just by virtue of being a white person living in America because America is an incredibly racist country built on fucking white supremacy and just stereotypes and all of these things. Like, to say that racism is not in your heart is to basically ignore the fact that literally, like, racism is something that needs to be unlearned because it is so fucking ingrained in in our fucking DNA as Americans. Look. Yeah, the only way that it happens where she gets away with saying something like that is if all of a sudden a bunch of people, not Moose, come out and say, oh, yeah, no, no, she's actually done a lot to be, you know, reach out across, you know, racial lines and stuff like that, which nobody would ever say because she definitely fucking hasn't done that. Hell no. Look, Tessa would have voted for Obama a third time if she had the chance. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. I, I mean, look, it's all terrible, so of course you do. Yeah. And, to add on to that, just to say that, like, yeah, like, I don't know. It's fucking, it's bullshit. Fuck yeah, right. it's just, you know, bullshit rhetoric that is supposed to make people, you know, calm them down and be like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're probably fine. And then they shut the fuck up and go away. That's all she wants out of us. Yeah. And it's just, it's embarrassing. To, mm-hmm. to fucking, like, try and make this your defense. And just, like, it, it all falls back onto... Here's what I was trying to say. It's like, it all falls back onto... Like, it's something that we've talked about on the Mothership Daddy before. Of just, like, a serious problem with, like, dealing with racism in this society, our society. Is that, like, you know... It all goes back to a lot to, like, World War II shit. Of, hey, how do we justify fighting Nazis and hating them while we live in a fucking segregated racist society ourselves, it's we engage in a cognitive dissonance of Nazis are bad because they're racist and they hate Jews and all these things. Pay no attention to how we're treating people of color in this country. Like, we've basically completely depersonalized the act of doing, like, racist acts from, like, the type of person that you are. So it's how you can get away with making these fucking excuses of just being like, I can't be racist. I'm a good person. That means I'm not racist. Right. And he also hot take. Um, if the Nazis weren't fighting American allies, they would totally be okay with the whole Jew hating part of that. Well, yeah, of course. So furthermore, this got some backlash as well, this tweet. Yeah, this did get some backlash, although not, you know, the thing that we're going to discuss next, though, is not really a product of the, of that tweet necessarily so much as just everything that's happened with all of this. Um, More so like the counterattack, maybe. Yes. Or attempted. That is a good way to put it, definitely. Because on, uh, I want to say, Sunday... Mm-hmm. Allison Kay, one of the original people to speak out against uh, against Tessa's ass, you know, Tessa's behavior, or not one of the original people, but like definitely one of the most prominent because you know, a she's the NWA, you know, Women's World Champion, and b, right. you know, she fucking is the one that broke the La, the La Rosa Negra story. Yep. So on Sunday afternoon, uh, around four thirty, Allison Kay posts the following tweet. I said what I had to say, so I'd love to move on, but I just got several messages about Tessa Blanchard trying to spread lies. Unfortunately for you, I've built my 11-year reputation on being respectful. Instead of owning up to your mistakes, you lie, scheme, and prove you haven't changed. And then she posted receipts of basically people texted her and sent her Facebook messages of 
basically proof that Tessa Blanchard has been going to people on Twitter, uh, sliding in their DMs, and basically are like texting people trying to dig up dirt on Allison Kay. Which, the fact that she wasn't able to find any quickly enough to stop this before Allison Kay called her ass out on the dumb shit she was trying to pull, pretty much says Allison's uh, not, like, maybe not perfect, but certainly is a lot better off than fucking Tessa. Yep. If, really, and also, again, if you're... If your fucking way that you're going to deal with being called out for problematic behavior and being a bully is to try and dig up dirt on the people that did this to you so that you can shame and embarrass them in the way that you feel that they've done to you, that means you're a fucking bully! So, no, I, I just want you to know that there's no bullying in my heart. I'm just going to take my foot and just slowly press your face towards that mud puddle because you've wronged me and I'm going to get my revenge for the thing that I did that was wrong. Not a bully, though. This is just some fucking mean girl shit. And, like, I thought yeah. that her fucking, like, response to Chelsea Green basically challenging her and, like, calling her, you know, a fucking liar, basically, was bad enough. But Jesus Christ, Tessa... Yeah, no, this is a WD-40 torch to the bridges right here. Like, if you want to work with her, sure, but, I mean, God, you're just burning everything down at this point. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Again, like, like, I hate to say it, I feel like by next week this story's just going to, like, go away and Impact's just going to keep going on with uh, Tessa as they were. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I definitely agree with you that, like, it, for Impact, this isn't really going to make a difference. Like, Impact has already clearly decided that they're all in on her. They're not going to move away from that. To say nothing of the fact that, you know, as we said last week, between the fact that they have people like Michael Elgin, Sammy Callahan, Rich Swan, Moose, people that have been accused of doing some kind of shitty things and have gotten fired from other companies for those things that they did, like... It's not like they're going to really, I think, draw a line with Tessa Blanchard, but this has got to affect, like, her fucking ability to work anywhere else, right? Because, like, why would anybody other than Impact and, like, AAA that she's already has, like, these relationships with, why would they want to take a chance on her after this? Right, like, the two places that don't give a shit are AAA and Impact, and everywhere else is basically a bingo hall. I mean, you know... I hate to say it, like, as I said, this story's probably going to go away. She probably still could go to Ring of Honor if uh, they need, if, you know, they, they're they worried about Women of Honor. If, you know, she could still probably go to fucking stardom now that that's owned by Bushi Road, and they seem to have no problem with hiring people like Michael Elgin. But it's also, like, you know... If she really wants to work on a large scale here in America, like, this has got to fucking, like, cut out, like, the big two, right? Because, like, you know, WWE yeah. already didn't sign her because of her problems with the Mae Young Classic and, like, her locker room issues. It doesn't sound like her locker room issues have cleared up any. Meanwhile, like, yeah, AEW's got, like, has a, a you know, fledgling women's division and could probably use someone of her, like, you know, stature. But, like... And, and obviously they have her her father in there, but like, 
when you have people in the locker room that clearly have issues with her, like Big Swole, like, yeah. why would you take that risk? I, yeah, I, I, I also hate to say it. WWE probably would sign her if they felt the AEW was going to sign her. Mm, I don't know if they would worry about that because I don't think AEW is ever going to sign her. Like, again, there's too much AEW could screw up by a simple signing of her at this point. It's not going to happen. Oh, oh, I know. I'm, but what I'm saying is that ultimately I think WWE wouldn't care if it meant that someone else wouldn't get her. Right, but that would just mean your WWE is that dense. And I think they, as dumb as they can be with storylines, I think they're smart enough to know that she has no future and they can save a few bucks by just letting her suffer yeah. an impact. Don't disagree with it. Which, yeah, it seems like that's what she's going to do. So, congratulations, Tessa. Like, you're the fucking world... You are Impact Wrestling's first world champion that is not a man. What did it cost you? Everything. Again, the thing that makes me... Not most upset, but like... Again, what really sucks is that... This was a really good storyline until last week. Yeah. Almost like it would have been really nice if it had been done by anybody else. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, literally people have, you know, it's the fucking sad thing of like the people defending her just, you know, trying to make the argument of, oh, you know, they they called her out because they're jealous because they couldn't do what she's done. Like, what exactly did she do? She got picked to be like she got picked to be the top champion of a fake fighting league. And yeah, I know, like. It's it's fucking sacrosanct or you know taboo to fucking talk about wrestling as being fake in in these circles because it usually comes off as so dismissive. But let's be fucking honest here, it's fake, and that's important to remember because it means that literally it could be anyone, it could be anything. Wrestling doesn't have to be one thing. It doesn't have to be one ideal. Tessa Blanchard could have been literally anyone. It could have been Taya Valkyrie. It could have been Becky Lynch. It could have it could have been Chelsea Green or Big Swole or Allison Kay or literally any of the people calling her the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Tessa Blanchard is really talented. Don't get me wrong. She's really good at what she does. Yes. But she ain't so fucking transcendently amazing that she's the only possible fucking person that could have been, like, Impact's first ever fucking women world champion. Yeah, there are several ladies they have that could definitely fit that mold. And they decide to put their trust in her, which, gotta say, that uh, seems real bad now. And on a side note... It does seem like she's going to be the front runner for biggest fall from her all in appearance. Oh God, I forgot she was at all in. Yeah, I do. I don't think anybody else has fallen more than she has. I think everybody else has either been stable or upwards. Hey. I, I, I kind of want to look up this card Matt now. Cross? I mean, eh. I guess he's in NWA now, but, you know. Eh, Mac, Mac Cross, I would just put it level, because, like, he's kind of been dwindling no matter what. Oh, man. I, I like him. I really do. It's just he doesn't I really mean, catch breaks. Hear me out. Bully Ray. 
Okay, that's a little slight dip. Bully Ray, he's your slight dip. Bully Ray deserved, though. Yeah. Tessa Blanchard deserved as well, let's be fair. Yeah. I would never argue otherwise. So yeah, uh, more on this horrible story as it develops. I'm sure the next development will be Tessa Blanchard did something stupid and terrible again. I look forward to her videos inside her car ranting at people. I thought you were going to save the other videos that are rumored to be out there that I don't want to discuss. I, I, and I, I, I got very concerned for a second there. I am a puritanical lad. I don't know what you're talking about. This is a plural podcast. We don't kink shame. Yeah, I, I, I have purity in my heart. I don't know what you mean. Anyway, let's move on to uh, our next topic here, which is, you know, hey, it's a new year. It's 2020. A lot has changed, uh, you know, not since not just in like the past year, but, you know, even in just like the past couple of months that we've been doing the show. So I thought maybe it would be a good time to just uh, take stock of like all the big companies, the, like all the major American, like North American companies that are going on here, uh, you know, outside of Vince land and just see, you know, where they're at right now and where we think they're going to go in uh, in 2020. How's that sound? Sounds yeah. good to me. All right. And since we're already talking about them, I think it's no better place to start than the Island of Misfit Wrestlers itself, Impact Wrestling. So I th- they're adding another Misfit, it seems like, to their island. Who's that? Bully Ray's coming back, it looks like. Yay! I'm so excited. I know he, apparently he's appearing at that TNA reunion show, and from the sounds of it, like, he's no longer involved with Women of Honor, and so, hey, you know, he might have a home in Impact now that, now that Ring of Honor seems to want to be getting their shit together. Well, jury's out on that, but we'll get there. So, (laughs) we'll get there. Let's talk about the flip side of everything we've talked about now, which is... Clearly, Tessa has destroyed a lot of her options for leaving Impact. Impact, clearly on the flip side here, is made it very clear that they're not going to do anything about Tessa. That, like, they're totally fine with this. They're, they are sticking with what they have. They are sticking with her as the top babyface. So, obviously, you know, Tessa's got a career there as long as she wants it. But do you think that this is going to hurt Impact in the long run? No. No. Absolutely not. I actually think, if anything, Impact is starting to find a really good niche for itself. As you keep saying, the island of misfit wrestlers. They have a bunch of really good wrestlers who have serious problems. And if somehow this doesn't implode and kill everyone involved, they could have a pretty decent you know, card going forward. Especially if uh, Mr. Don Callis is still working everything. Like, like and I... As probably one of the few people in the PW.C network that semi-regularly watches Impact. Like, I will say, it's a good show. There is some stuff on there that's really good, and I totally fuck with Rob Van Dam's gimmick right now. I think it's a gimmick. Might just be Rob Van Dam's life. But, like, I feel like my fear, especially considering the whole Tessa Blanchard thing, is like I worry that Impact is going to lean into this and make it a character the way that like they've now had like 
they have like I think a t-shirt that's like Rob Van Band or some shit like that. So yeah, I, I, I could see that. Uh, all right, then what, let's look at it the flip side then. Like they're trying to be weird and do strange things. Like they're trying to go for you know getting their name out there in weird ways with like you know hey g- getting banned on Twitch for nip slips and having intergender wrestling and like in the main event. Could this possibly help them? I think the people that are watching Impact is Impact's audience. So you think it's mostly just they're speaking to the people that they've always spoken to? Yeah, and like Impact is Impact has a lot of uh, bad, a lot of bad will among people who still refuse to give it a shot because you know of the Dixie Carter years. And I don't fucking blame them. Nope. But, um, you know, I think Billy Corgan was a step in the right track for them, and it's a shame they fucked Billy Corgan over. But um, the la- I think the last time Impact had any kind of momentum was uh, with Broken Bat. And I love the sh- I, I I do genuinely really like the show. There's no one on there that is going to be broken mat levels of viral. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't see anybody there who's going to kind of pull their hooks and get that internet meme juice going, basically, in terms of, like, drawing attention away from the major promotions. Like, actually, the only person I can think of is Rob Van Dam, but, again, I don't think it's going to He hasn't done it. I don't think it's going to go the direction. I, I think Rob Van Dam, if he goes internet meme, it will be for when people first saw the Broken Matt stuff and were wondering, what the fuck is this? And it's never going to have the moment where people realize this is actually fucking brilliant. Yeah. Right. So clearly Impact is having some momentum problems here, but one thing that they definitely have right now that they didn't have this year, last year, is potentially being on television. Like, they're no longer just on that, like, Terrible Pursuit network that literally nobody gets. Like, you know, where they were getting maybe, like, no more than, like, 10,000 people watching an episode a week, is, is what I heard. But, like, now they're on Axis, because, you know, they bought that channel. Do you think that that could help? So you're going to have to explain to me, is Axis big? No. No. It it is basically dirt tier for, like, your satellite and higher-end cable packages. Is it better than Pursuit? Yes. Yes. Because Pursuit is literally on, like, nothing. Like, I couldn't... Like, I can't get Pursuit on... Either Spectrum, which is what my parents have, or Optimum, which is what I have. It's just not available. Mm. Axis is like, it's it's super premium tier. It's like a weird niche thing because its whole thing is like, it's it's the former HDNet, uh, the Mark Cuban channel that was like, that was the first channel that Ring of Honor was on, actually. Uh, but like, their whole thing is basically, they show concerts, and then they show yep. sports. Ah. And they also like aren't subscribed to Nielsen, so they don't release ratings. So, we don't know how many people are watching this. 
Legitimately like the turn them on. Had, yeah. Like the rumors that we had heard when New Japan was on there, like, and there were never concrete numbers about how New Japan on Access was doing, but like the numbers that we had heard, like I had heard at one point, was like they were getting maybe like 100,000, 150,000 for episodes, and that they were very happy with that. Which, I mean, for, for let's face it, a niche wrestling show like New Japan in America. That's not bad. No, it's not terrible. But is that really going to be sustainable for Impact, especially when, like, Anthem has basically bought this network to try and save it? And I don't know what there is to save other than inject your wrestling onto it because there's already known wrestling fans who look at this channel. Otherwise, it's just concerts. And... I don't know why anybody's just going to turn on their TV to watch a bunch of concerts. It's a channel that's been doomed to fail for years. Look, at the end of at the end of it all, somehow Impact Wrestling will still be alive. Oh sure, that, but that company refuses to die. They are not dying. Mm-hmm. One day, one day we will all live to see the death of Impact Wrestling. Perhaps. But it's perhaps. probably not going to be 2020. I, I feel confident in saying that, at least. Yeah, same. It's not going to happen like for another like couple of years. One company that also probably won't die in 2020, although, hey, maybe it might. Let's, let's find out. Major League Wrestling, MLW. Yeah, it's kind of been a bad beat for them, hasn't it? I mean, it's more that, like, you know, I feel like when we were, look, when we were first talking about MLW uh, in, in 2018, uh, when, I, when I had first, like, really discovered it and was watching it, it felt like they were a show that was completely, that, like, they were on the come up. Like, hey, they got this television deal with being sports, they're doing their hour show, they're starting to get, like, live shows and starting to do all this stuff, and it just seems like nothing has changed like they're they're just still doing their being sports thing. Like now they're on Saturday nights at nine, which is I I'm just gonna throw it out there. Not as good at the time slot as Fridays at eight, like they used to be. Oh, they, nine nine is worse. Um, and for anything except weekdays. I mean, like Monday through Thursday, not Friday, mind you. I mean, look, being sports is being sports is a channel that. No one, no one gets, and, like, the only reason, so, like, the only reason anyone I know subscribed to be in sports was to watch foreign soccer. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's got a whole shit ton of old, you know, European, or not old, but current European soccer, and that's about it. But now, like, pretty much, except for the Spanish League, I think pretty much all of that, uh, all of that European soccer is on DAZN. That didn't surprise me. And like, it, like they swooped in and got all that. And so, honestly, being on B in sports, I think, is about as good as being on Access. Now, that the, o- now that the only reason anyone subscribes to B in sports is 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 exclusive to a, a streaming service. Yeah, I, I would agree that like B in sports is. At this point, no better in access channel-wise. It might even be worse in some networks. And 
yeah, everybody's kind of come in and plundered MLW. And just like BN Sports has been plundered with their soccer coverage, like anybody I'd really care about in MLW has pretty much done work elsewhere or is doing work elsewhere or has been picked up by another group and is currently a step above them. Yeah, I, like currently a lot like it, when we talk about like, you know, people that are like MLW mainstays right now, like people that are pretty much exclusive to MLW, it's basically Davy Boy Smith Jr., Brian Pillman Jr., fucking uh I mean, how though? Even Brian Filthy Pillman Tom, Jr. Filthy Tom Lawler and Simon Gotch. Even, yeah, you just even named Brian exactly Pillman one. Jr., though, showed up at uh Oh, and I guess I have a Von Eric now. He mm-hmm. showed up in one of those casino battle royals. Yeah, he did, but he also hasn't been seen AEW since. Right. But it like, was just yeah, and meanwhile, like, who are some of the other big people that they were building up recently and having a lot of matches with? Jimmy Havoc, MJF, Teddy Hart. Yep. Two of those people are gone. Yeah, anybody who's going to be good there is going to get sniped by somebody else and brought out of there because it's just not going to pay enough of the bills. Like, Tom Waller has gotten his already through UFC. He is just going to keep doing that. That's all. I feel like I feel like you could make the comparison to like late nineties ECW. Where we're probably gonna look back in ten years' time and be like, wow, MLW had some great people that came through it that immediately got poached by WWE and AEW. Yeah, and, like, part Mm -hmm. of the thing here is that, like, MLW was making some smart moves with things. They were, like, they are really trying to, like, cater, like, speak directly to, like, the, you know, Latin, like, a Latin American audience or Hispanic audience. Um, You know, they were making very big inroads in that. You know, they hired Krista Joseph, you know, the co-creator of Lucha Underground in part to do that. You know, they have a big thing of, like, you know, they were going to make a big push with Roosh before Roosh signed with with uh, ROH, you know, the talk being ah. because, like, CMLL pushed him to do it. Mm-hmm. They're also going to try, you know, they've also been making a big push with L.A. Park. They didn't put the title on him at their pay-per-view, but, like, they did that. But also, like, another important thing I think that we need to talk about here is that, like, it feels like for all of everything that MLW has tried to, like, get out, like, to really expand, none of it's really worked. Like... No, it hasn't. They're, you know, they have their being sports thing, like, they've done, they do, like, the live shows occasionally here and there, but, like, you know, they... They tried in December, or, or November, actually, to do, uh, to do their first pay-per-view, Super Fight. They don't have another pay-per-view scheduled. Which pretty much means that one did terribly. Yeah. Like, they don't got anything else in the pike. Like, everything else is just television taping. It's just fusion tapings. Like, they, you know, again, they, they've tried with, like, expanding all these things. Now they've, like, just hired a fucking talent agency to try and find them a new television network. And, you know, there's a part of me that has to wonder, that wonders, like, hey... Is it really that smart to be putting all your eggs in, like, getting on a good television network basket? But at the same time, like, when you look at the fact that literally, like, their other growth opportunities are basically 
they they couldn't do pay per view. Like yep. they're not getting they're not getting high enough numbers on YouTube. Like you know they they do good numbers on YouTube. They do like you know one hundred fifty two thousand two hundred thousand maybe sometimes like three hundred thousand. But like the re- ad revenue was not good enough to like for that to really be a feasible alternative for them. No, I mean think about it this way with YouTube, especially for anything we talk about here. Like think of it about like a thousand views is a dollar. And then think about that when you look at all these videos, even if that's not accurate, even if that's slightly off one way or the other, think about it that way and you understand that there is no way they're going to be profitable enough off MLW videos on YouTube. Who owns MLW? Court Bauer. Like, he does not this, wank dogs. Is this some kind of like is this some kind of like Sinclair broadcasting? they can afford to have this thing just lose money because it boosts a portfolio thing or I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's a case of, you know, unfortunately court Bauer is going to probably have to declare bankruptcy at some point. Mm. Yeah. Like it's going to be, and I don't think it's going to be for a while. Like I think that, you know, MLW is just going to keep trucking along. Like, you know, I clearly that B and money they're getting, has been enough so far, but like they can't keep doing this, right? It's gotta go. It's gotta go somewhere. Like they can't just keep being in this like second gear that they've been in since like seemingly 2018, and just like have it be sustainable. Absolutely not. It's but if it's, they don't if the if they don't have the talent, like you know, what do you do if? As you said, like, they were building Jimmy Havoc and MJF and, like, those kind of people. It's like, what do you do? I mean, what can you do to keep people other than TV deals and good marketing that might give them another avenue to get seen? Which, that turns to desperation, like, I don't know, hiring a marketing agency is going to try to sell shit to, uh, you know, a good sucker. Yeah, which hey, if if they can land Showtime like the the rumors are, like that would be pretty cool. But at the same time, it's like you know, look, I watch the product that MLW puts out there, and it's good. Like it's it's definitely look, it's a lot better than than certain other shows that I that I enjoy. But right, it still has a kind of amateurish quality to it. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like dynamite. It doesn't look like power. Like even power kind of looks kind of amateurish, and like fusion can't even like hit that level. Like how I mean, much? How much are you gonna really convince people to buy into this with the product that you're making? Unless you like really try and like grunge it up and go for like a kind of like unless I'm just throw it out there. Unless you just fucking rip off capital style, but make it good. Uh, or as I said, like just lean into being late nineties ECW. Yeah, I don't know about. I just, uh, I I don't know what they can do. I uh, I think honestly the problem is we're in a golden age of wrestling. Simply being a place to watch good wrestling on TV is not going to cut it anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hell, it's it's definitely even, why I think that like even the are... worst show on television Monday Night Raw has largely competent matches. 
Well, I mean, I don't really want to bring the bad show into this, but it's also because it's been on for many, many, many years and has always been there. It's true, but also I, I think that uh, to Oscar's credit, like as much as I don't want to give the bad place any credit for anything whatsoever, like the baseline of wrestling at this point is that th- even like the worst wrestling match is usually going to be at least sort of okay. There's at least a competency on like on you know television wrestling. Like, it's very rare that you're going to get something that's just, like, the drizzling shits. That's true. That's true. The baseline has increased, but, like, the problem is, yeah, the baseline has increased across the board that, like, MLW can't really stand out by just having really good wrestling, especially when, like, you know, all the people that were really cool when, when I was started watching them, when I started watching it, like, let's be honest, it was Ray Phoenix, Pentagon Jr., Shane Strickland. Yep. None of those people are there anymore. Marco Stunt. Not there anymore. And there's the point. They all get poached by another big place where they can show themselves off and get star power attention. And ultimately get paid big money. Yeah. Like somebody's already established themselves or injected a lot of money into the cause. Yeah. And, And that's partially why I think that like... MLW is definitely, like, the second most in danger company on this list here. Like, I think they're going to make it through 2020. I'm not sure if there's really much of a 2021 for them. I think you're going to start seeing some stuff end of 2020 with them, and you're going to find out their real form if it is to exist. Yeah. But, hey, maybe Showtime will step in. Who knows? Good luck getting any traction on Showtime. I mean, if you can sucker him for a couple of years and get some good money, sure. Hey, maybe there's one just, company though here that is just get definitely in the fucking danger zone. Yeah, exactly. Let's hear it, Oscar. Let's talk about your favorite, it, it, William Corgan's own National Wrestling Alliance. It really is disheartening to hear how much of a money sink the NWA is right now because I genuinely believe it is the it it, it could be the third biggest wrestling show in America for all everybody has for all all the haters have gone on about fucking Tony Khan being the ultimate money mark in wrestling today there is no, actually no bigger money mark than fucking Billy Corgan. We were sleeping on his ass. True. Hey, I we knew he was a big money mark from what happened in fucking TNA with him. But the the thing we all wanted to believe, you know, was that and the narrative that was being pushed was that he learned what happened when he got screwed over by TNA. And he made some really smart decisions with NWA. And he made he did some great shit with NWA. The 10 Pounds of Gold series is one of the best... I have never seen them restore prestige to a title so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Like, 10 Pounds of Gold was great. And... For all we make fun of Billy Corgan, the dude cares. The dude legitimately understands and gets 
NWA era wrestling in a way that I don't think any of us expected him to have that much of an actual legit reverence for 70s studio wrestling. It is pretty extraordinary just how well he's kind of recreated that and how much he's kind of brought this prestige to NWA. That said, it does also feel like there's a reason that died off. Yeah, like it's incredible how much he cares and how much effort and and work he's putting into this. But at the same time, it really does seem like he's one of the only people that cares. Like we were just talking about with MLW where YouTube is not an expansion market for them. Like YouTube is not giving them money to the point that they were even saying like six months to a year ago, like, hey – we're trying to figure out if we could put the show online somewhere else that's going to give us better revenue because YouTube is not it. YouTube is killing us. YouTube is really bad for wrestling. And this is a show that, yeah, is getting close to, like, 200,000 views per episode. NWA Power is getting half that. The Would most you- they ever get is 100,000 views an episode. Which, again, keep in mind, that probably means $100 an episode. That you're paying would, way more for. I would also like to say, though, at least NWA gives the impression of its overhead costs being low. It's a pretty good impression, but I, I don't know. I still think paying the wrestlers and all that is going to completely crush any yeah. revenue you make. Yeah. The studio is a good idea for what they're trying to do. But the talent they need to actually draw people to their videos is going to outweigh what you can get from YouTube. I think, and I, I said this, I've said this on podcasts before as well, but I think NWA is not a lost, is not a lost cause yet. And I, I, I think what NWA needs to do, and they've started to make these inroads with Ring of Honor... But, like, NW, hear me out. NWA partners up with MLW, with Ring of Honor, with Impact, like the actual NWA from the 70s and 80s, and yep. make deals with them to be like, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship is all of your company's titles. Yes, and I think that's where they can really excel, is this idea that they are. Even if the show Power doesn't work, they are still a long historical sanctioning body. Billy Corgan has restored that title that even if the NWA Power show goes under, that title will mean something around Nick Aldis's waist. It is still arguably the third most prestigious world title in wrestling. Yeah, there is a legacy there that he is restored and will not be taken away easily. He can hold on to that as an asset, even without a full roster, and he can bring it anywhere. That is probably NWA's greatest strength, is he can work with anyone other than WWE and NXT to kind of, and even then he could probably work with them, I'm just being facetious, um, to kind of give that title to them and give any organization a storyline or bring organizations together to create interesting storylines. So there's potential. It's just not going to be the common way of here's show, here wrestler, I have a roster. It's all our own. Yeah. It does baffle me, though, that, like, 
it's a bizarre it's you know it's a bizarre thing of just like quality versus just like good business acumen like Mm-hmm. I understand the idea of just oh we're gonna we're gonna sell power on being just like this fucking super qual- high quality well made show like but at the same time though like look I hate to keep making the comparison here fucking capital wrestling capital yep. wrestling nobody fucking watches that except for Oscar and I those videos get like a hundred views on YouTube. The thing about Capital Wrestling is it's kind of like your local indie weird wrestling place in that it probably breaks even on gates. It is, but also here's the smart thing. Those episodes are fucking filled to the brim with ads. They are selling ads themselves and they are putting them in the shows. They're not like, you know, they're not like fucking extreme things. It's like, you know, hey, some weird like they had like for a while they were selling ads for like some some lawyer that used to be a wrestler. They were selling ads Joseph for Joseph Park. No, they were selling. <laughs> they they sell ads for that to beat the man comic. Uh, wrestling with regret was advertising on them for a while. Like they're not getting like fucking huge things, but they're getting fucking money. They're getting money to put those episodes out, and they're putting them in the actual episode, so you can't just fucking skip them and be reliant on, like, YouTube revenue. Like, and if they're doing that there, they're doing it on the, uh, when they put it on Fight, they're putting it in all these places. Why the fuck did nobody think about this at NWA? It's fair. Like, that's – the studio wrestling program is, like, the optimal place to do something stupid like that. Like, you could have studio ads all around there, and nobody would blink. I feel like – I feel like part of it comes down to they wanted NWA to seem classier. True, but it's NWA still. Yeah, but like I feel like that was like, well, we don't want to fill this to the brim with ads because we want to be a classy show. And I, I think they, I hate to say, it, I hate to say it after we just talked about how the NWA brand still has prestige. I think they overestimated the value of the NWA brand. Yeah, I, I think they misjudged yeah. exactly how desirable this would be. Also, I'm going to lean into that ad thing, too, and I think there's probably a Mandela effect going on our past in regards to how we felt about wrestling back in the studio era days. And I think a lot of people forget that they were probably just as laden with shitty ads back then that everybody kind of glossed over because you, the, every show had mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And they didn't market well, and they didn't have to pay as much money because, you know... Less inflation then, folks. I mean, I mean, look, I think that, um, I think power is one of those, it's studio wrestling the way you remember it, not the way it actually was. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, for sure. And that's just to its strength. Definitely. Like it is, it's basically, you know, it's taking all the good memories, all the good vibes that you have from like watching those, those old tapes and like modernizing it in a way that makes it feel like, you know, it makes it feel old, but it's also papering over all of the fucking bad parts about it. Yep. At the same time though, it's just not enough. It, it isn't. And it's a shame because I just don't see a future beyond just trying to work with other organizations and just push that belt around everywhere. Yeah, because, like, I mean, how are you going to – because, like, I, I just – I don't feel like they can pivot into – you know, it, it sounds like Into the Fire did okay for them. Like, it, okay enough that they're doing hard times. But, like, I don't see how you can pivot into just doing pay-per-views. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Like – 
Perhaps, <sighs> and could it, I feel like maybe they could tour, make money maybe. on make money on live revenue. I just don't know if there's if there's enough you can get out of a gate like that, like, or if well, you end up exposing yourself. Because I think, or how or how much you can even really travel and and do all this, like you know, like mm-hmm. to NWA's credit. They film a lot of shows all in one go. They they only have to really pay that kind of overhead, I think, once every six weeks. Right, but the problem is, is like, if you're filming stuff of that nature, it will, number one, if you're traveling, the costs skyrocket because you've got to bring all the equipment around. And yeah. then that gate has to be much larger. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not saying they film those shows. I'm just saying do them as house shows. Okay. Still, though, if you're going to do house shows, like, if you're going to do a house show circuit, you need to have, like, a market. And I'm not sure that, like, you know, where, where mm-hmm. what's NWA's market going to be? They're going to just work, like, Atlanta, like, Atlanta, North Carolina, like, the places that they're currently already taping? Yeah. I guess and- NWA's market has become AEW's market. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at here. And also, if we want to talk about like going on the road and trying to draw crowds, there is a certain other organization we are probably going to talk about here very shortly that is having trouble doing that yeah, in a like, dire, dire way. I feel like what you're basically saying is they just need to be Ring of Honor working the South instead of the, the mostly the Northeast. Yeah. I will say the conspiracy theorist in me wants to believe that Corgan is just, his end goal here is, hey, WWE doesn't own the NWA branding and tape library. I mean, honestly, if that's his end goal and everything else goes away, good on him, you know? That's his right, and if he hadn't stepped in, WWE would have NWA right now. And probably for a lot less than they would pay for NWA now. No, he is 100% made NWA much more valuable. Yes. NWA is in a much better place than he got it. Like, for fuck's sake. Like, Mm -hmm. could you have possibly thought even a few years ago that we would have ever cared about the National Wrestling Alliance again? They're a fucking fossil. And rightfully so. Hell, you could argue that this was uh, the biggest surprise of 2019. It was certainly one of them. You could argue that. I wouldn't, but you could. But let's talk about what's potentially an even bigger surprise for 2020. Mm-hmm. Which is that Ring of Honor might actually pull this off. This is wild to me. And I'm still not sure about this, but it's wild. Yeah. It's just the very idea that, you know, as as we said last week, the very idea that they did exactly what you said, Trace, of thinking the only way that they can really save this company is to just offer Marty Skrull everything. They had to. I mean, I, I will drill it down forever. They had nobody else. Yes, you've got Roosh. Yes, you've got a couple of people you can bring about. They will not save you. Villain Enterprises is all they have left. They have to rebuild from this. So the only I'm I'm happy to see Ring of Honor turning it around because 
again, more wrestling is more places for wrestlers to work is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I still feel like Ring of Honor is forever potentially going to be a victim of the AOL Time Warner issue of Sinclair is just going to realize, yo, what the fuck? Why are we paying for this wrestling thing? And they're just going to axe it no matter how well it's doing. I mean, I, I agree to an extent, but also, number one, that's kind of like capitalism everywhere with like predatory corporations holding assets and deciding when to liquidate them or move them elsewhere or when they need to enhance their profile a little bit. No ethical consumption, baby. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) But also, I do think that if they were able to start getting more buzz around them and more promises of potential growth, that it would save their butts in some meetings. If somebody could point to like a good crowd that Marty Skrull has roused up and say, there's something here. Rather than so, a Samstown crowd that nobody gives a shit about. I think my I think ultimately the question I'm leading into this is and I know we all love Marty Skrull here. Is he mm-hmm. enough? No. I don't think so, no. Like That's the thing. Marty, I think he's definitely like, Marty, I think he's good enough to stop the bleeding. I think that he's good enough to like bring some attention, especially if they like give him an actual fucking title run. Like that he could help bring some attention back to them, but no, on his own, I think that, like, I think literally his only option here, like, their only option here is, like, they put him in there so that he can do the thing that they, you know, kind of want him to do of, like, all right, get us cool with New Japan again, get us cool with AEW, yes. get us, like, get us working more with CMLL. He is but going into is, the Triple H role now. But this is just going to be the problem that the reason Ring of Honor is in this state is because they relied too much on the New Japan people and the CMLL people, but especially like the New Japan people. And they're not they couldn't handle it when when the elite left Japan, because that meant Ring of Honor had no talent. Right. True. But like consider the alternative of, well, then now they're in a position where they're really on their own. Who do they have? They have Villain Enterprises. They have Roosh. Again, all these people are people like, you know, aside from Flip, these are basically people that made their name elsewhere. Like, yes. their homegrown talent are basically, you know, Jay Lethal, who, yeah, people love him, but he ain't pushing the needle anymore. Nope. It's Kenny King and, Ugh. what, the fucking Beer City Bruiser? Now, in fairness, I like the bouncers. I like Beer City Bruiser, but just like Kenny King, just like Jay Lethal, he will not draw the same as a Marty Skrull anymore or any New Japan like folks. Dalton Castle or um, the Briscoe Dal- Brothers? Um, Briscoe's, I don't know, but Dalton Castle. still there. Dalton Castle's like. I think Briscoe's have the, have the tag belts right now. Oh, do they? Interesting. I mean, Briscoes but are... But it's also just the Briscoes continuing to be the Briscoes. Yeah, they, they haven't evolved in a way that makes them continually interesting. Dalton Castle is constantly injured these days and with back issues. And also, they tried to make a heel of him when he was doing a really good face turn being a smarky heel. And they've completely ruined him as a result. 
I hate I hate to say it. I think the, the ultimate thing that's kill that's going to kill Ring of Honor is NXT. Potentially, yeah. I mean, look at how much of NXT is Ring of Honor talent. I mean, look how much of WWE is Ring of Honor. It's all the old growth they used to have, and they just never fostered new stuff. So everybody who was good with Ring of Honor is now doing stuff elsewhere. And AEW is probably the final nail, I think, in Ring of Honor's coffin because they, you know, they've comfortably moved into Ring of Honor's number two spot. Yeah, by far. But at the same time, though, is that all... Is Does any of that really matter? Like, they have permanent television. They will always have television, so long as that company exists, basically. Like, mm-hmm. so long as they're able to make basically enough money that they're not, like... So long as they're basically able to, to break even, like... Is Sin- you know, they're providing Sinclair with cheap content every single week that they don't really have to do any work, real work for. Maybe that's enough. Here is my side of that. Yes, they will always provide content, but for Sinclair, sometimes that means you're 2 a.m. on an affiliate because that's, that's the best they will give you. Sometimes that, that means true. you're on a channel that is flirting with access and popularity. It's, it's yeah, I mean, not necessarily I- enough. Ring of Honor, I watch from the Buffalo Fox station at, like, 1 in the morning. And it's never on the same fucking day of the week. Yeah, which, that's the big thing there also, is the lack of consistency, both in production quality for those shows, because holy shit, they're bad. And yeah. Well, yeah, we uh, gave MLW shit for this, and Ring of Honor arguably looks worse than Fusion. On TV, Ring of Honor is definitely worse, hands down. Like, not the pay-per-views, not counting those. Those are fine. But mm-hmm. the actual TV product is abysmal in its production. It's just painful. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand they can probably survive, but it in that case, it's just a fuse. And there's a button there that blows them all up. And someone at St. Clair is going to wonder what that button does and push it. And if they don't have something set up, like, you know, I don't know. I I had some good movie meme here, and I can't think of it right now. But, like, something where Marty Scroll basically says, no, we're worth saving. Don't blow up our planet. We talked about this kind of with NWA, but I think that you could make the argument that Ring of Honor needs NWA more than NWA needs Ring of Honor. I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. Like, work with Aldous. Work with um, Corrigan. That is, that would be a huge alliance. Dead stop. Arguably, those two companies should just, like, just make it NWAROH. And not only that, that puts them in good standing with New Japan, because New Japan seems to really like the whole NWA thing quite a bit. Like, they... Yeah, they do. The Rock and Roll Express, every time they show up, Tanahashi is, like, just giddy as a little schoolgirl. Well, isn't Gato a big fan of that era of wrestling as well? You bet your sweet ass he is. So, yeah, I mean, it's like they, they that is a huge boost. If they could lean into something like that, get more partnerships with people who seem to know what the fuck they're doing more than they do. It's hard out here for a villain, y'all. Yeah. I mean, get paid, Marty. Seriously. 
speaking of villains, let's talk about let's talk about the big boys. Let's talk about NXT. Ah, uh, look at the adjective NXT. <laughs> it's they are the company that should be the top company. I mean, in fact, they are the top company, despite the fact that they yeah. have never that they have never made money in their entire existence. Let's not bullshit around here. NXT is WWE. They're making yeah, money. This is, and I think now that they're on TV, you know, I know that we all the narrative is definitely that Vince is not involved, but like Vince is involved. Vince knows what the fuck is going on in NXT. True. I mean, there, there's all the talk that he's very into Keith Lee and very into certain people there. But, yeah, as we've seen in the past, you know, the narrative of the past couple of weeks uh, of the Wednesday Night War, as it were. And, and I mean, we'll, we'll get into what that the war even means at this point uh, in a little bit. But, like, the narrative of the past couple of weeks has basically been that... AW gets somewhere like close to 940, 950 million, uh, you know, million, 950,000 viewers a week. NXT gets close to about 700,000. Like, which is a very firm second place. It's a respectable number, but. A very firm. They're they're not in the driver's seat here. Oftentimes, they're not in the top fifty. Is is that just is that just the way things are now? Honestly, I don't think they're. I don't think it hurts anything. Like, it's more wrestling, and the people who tune in are very clearly people who just want to mindlessly tune into WWE product, and this is a good way to do it and see people they don't normally see too often. I think it's telling that um, I think it's telling that NXT has basically hit its ceiling when look at all the promotion they gave it during Survivor Series, one of their big four pay per views, and how as in, almost immediately as soon as the as soon as the main roster people weren't on there, people stopped. as soon as NXT won the war, yep. but like as soon as like. Like NXT was NXT was beating AEW a few weeks, I believe, when they had yeah. the main roster people on there. That they were, and I think it just goes to show that it's like NXT is not a draw to WWE fans, really. No, NXT is what WWE used to have with its weekend shows and things like that. When you used to turn on and see, uh, you know, Livewire or Superstars or, you know, Saturday, whatever the Saturday morning and Sunday morning programs were, stuff like that. It's Shotgun just done Saturday night. And not even that. That was its own experiment just to Broadcast try and be racier. NXT from nightclubs. I'm not even going there, but I mean, like the old Todd Pettengill and whatever cohorts he had with him, you know, Doc Hendricks for a while, just, you know, talking about wrestling and that sort of thing. That's all people want a lot of the times with NXT, and that's not to throw shade towards their talent. They are building the future of the company literally there. And yeah, in some cases, it's maybe looking like it's suffering a bit because they just keep bringing people who are already well established there and then send them off without actually building much of anything. Look, look, Mm -hmm. I've talked before about, I think one of the biggest problems with NXT is that it's not developmental anymore. And I think a perfect representation of this is pro wrestling. Duck cool's favorite wrestler in the world, Kona Reeves, who would benefit 
greatly from a not from being on a non televised actual developmental thing in front of a crowd where he could workshop what's what is and isn't working and then debut onto TV with the hell keep the finest gimmick just workshop it and make it work but because NXT has become this like super indie someone like Kona Reeves who's a homegrown talent is doomed to fail because he has to immediately get thrown in there on a show with people like fucking the undisputed era Keith Lee you know some of the top ta- some of the top indie towns who are already finished products you can't have people develop anymore Ooh, counterpoint on that there is a lot of house shows that go on for NXT that we see nothing of on TV and that is where a lot of these workers end up getting their practice in and if they don't make what the trainers think are the grade, they don't ever show up on TV anyways. I think there's a lot of people who are kind of in that limbo. And I think Kona Reeves is one of them. I have some ideas on him. I think I know a way we can fix him now. And I can get into that eventually. But um, I, mean, yeah, I, I this is the perfect segue into... Not fuck Kona Reeves. I, I agree, fuck Kona Reeves. But what if... What if premium blend Kona Reeves and he just comes out with his, you know, fur jacket and hands in his pockets and just doesn't say anything and just kind of is lazy and uh, slackadaisical? No, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, it, the great thing is that like the, the the world these days is all about apathy. So really the kind of wrestler you want to sell them to someone who's apathetic and just doesn't really feel anything that's going on in the world anymore. And he can just kind of do throw a couple lazy kicks and then he'll run at somebody and just throw his entire body at them because he doesn't care enough. But he's the premium blend. Yeah, but Freshly the capacity thing only works is because uh, you know that there is a good wrestler in there. Wow, okay. I'm, gl- I'm, glad, I'm glad we've admitted this finally, Oscar. Thank you. Thank hey, you, Oscar, I, for owning I, up to your shit. I stand by. Kona Reeves has a lot of work to do. The Kona Reeves finest gimmick has potential as a shit heel that I like, and I'm not ready to give up on my fine on my fine boy just yet. A shit lackadaisical heel that does nothing but put his hands in his pockets and says "baby." All right, you sold me. Clearly, NXT's not going anywhere. Like for as much as it's not giving USA the numbers that like. Whatever the fuck was on before it was Suits. What great show that I really enjoyed. <laughs> so did Prince Harry, I guess. Um, Former Prince Harry. Obviously, they're committed to NXT. It's not going anywhere. It's going to yeah. be fine. But I, I, yeah, I do genuinely wonder. It's like, and obviously, like I think that a lot of the problems with NXT are problems that were always with NXT. Like. NXT, you know, kind of like you said before, NXT has always been a show that is a hottest fire opener, a hottest fire main event, and then the middle is just wrestling for wrestling's sake. And that's good. Yep. Like, some of that wrestling has been great when it was, like, a developmental thing. Now that they are all having to fill in an, an extra hour with that, like, it's way longer and, and it feels way less thing like something that we talked about on on heel turn this week when we were doing the prediction for worlds collide which of course i'm not going to subject y'all to because who fucking cares like yeah please don't just talking about the talking about the cruiserweight match that's going to happen there like which is angel garza swerve 
Jordan Devlin, Travis Banks. My pick for that is Angel Garza, if for no other reason than he's the only one that actually really has a character. His character is, I'm sexy and I rip off my pants to reveal panties under there because I'm, you know, Tai Chi's non-union Mexican equivalent. I'm glad he called that out. It's still more than fucking anyone else has. It's still more than fucking Swerve has. Yeah, because they kind of took away his good shit. Give him Shane Strickland back, you fucking cowards. So I guess, yeah, like, the only thing I can really wonder is, like, what... Is there anything that NXT can really do to, like, change the narrative on this without, like, you know, just either going full on into fucking... Just going full on into let's do what Vince wants? I hate I hate to say it. WWE's narrative is... If they... If NXT... Or if AEW beats them, WWE just gets to say... Look, this is our developmental third show. This is not, you know, they're not actually beating our our main shows. More people are still watching Raw and SmackDown. If yeah. NXT beats them, WWE gets to say WWE beats AEW in the ratings. But they don't, but they're, they're able to control the narrative either way mm-hmm. and just be like, yeah, it's our developmental show. Who cares? Yeah, this plays into my conspiracy theory on this. The more and more I see how this is going now, I think NXT is just there to stem AEW from building up any sort of threat towards WWE's main products if people get fed up enough with that raw bullshit. Probably, Which, yeah. And and frankly, the fact that they're suppressing at least 600,000 viewers from going to AEW and testing the waters, and granted, a bunch of those will not like it and, you know, tune out and, you know, say whatever hyperbolic bullshit they want about the wrestling there. I mean, hell, AEW's ratings were almost 2 million for the first episode, and they're sitting at about a million now. Yeah, imagine if they were at 1.5 million or 1.6 million with Raw, how it's been going downhill, what people would be saying then. That'd be terrifying yeah. for WWE. So NXT is like helping them no matter how poorly they do here. It's stemming a potential tide of AEW mounting anything that would help their narrative immensely. While also giving NXT that win-win on the narrative. So basically, they don't have to do anything. They just yeah, have no. to keep doing what they're doing and it'll be fine. Just like with, every, just like with everything in, in Vince Land... Everything will be fine if you just pretend nothing else is happening. Uh, that's Vince Land for you. That's why I don't watch it anymore. I mean, those, those Vince Land documentaries, Dark Side of the Ring, were really good, though. Uh, you. It's good shit here. They're not called that anymore. They're Vice on TV. Look at all this shit we got. There's a spaghetti in this coffin, and we're going to start making a lot of noise next to this wedding party over here. And finally... Let's cover the top dog in all of this, All Elite yep. Wrestling, which, yeah, as, as we, I kind of alluded to earlier, like, you know, as interesting as I found, like, the ratings war to be in as much as it's been, like, you know, something that I found exciting and, and cool, if for no other reason, then, I mean, hey, look, I mean, let's just be honest, we're all kind of biased towards AEW here over anything. Oh, absolutely. You know, speaking for, speaking for myself, if for no other reason than just because, yo... I want to see the up. To, I want to see the upstart win against the the big bad company that like put their fucking sh- show on to try and stifle out a contender. Like fuck that. That's bullshit. 
Yep. Tony it's a feel-good story for all of us. You seem to have all the momentum of a runaway freight train. Why are you so popular? But now that they've basically been extended for another four years, like, yep. and I feel like unless something really drastic happens, unless those ratings really fucking crater, that's not really, they're not going to go anywhere. They're fine at this point. Yeah, they've got some serious issues they need to work out with some wrestlers, and we'll get into that because we got some AEW to talk about here. But, and a lot of that actually happened um, that we can talk about on this episode. Yeah. But I think their biggest quality is that they feel like genuinely everybody there gives a shit. And they let people give a shit about themselves. They're also the- genuinely evoking a different vibe than mm-hmm. WWE, which is what so many challengers to the throne have failed at. Every challenge before this one, I feel like, has been, hey, we got these former WWE guys, and it's nothing but that. Hey, former WWE guys, and don't you like us? Because we used to be WWE. Hey, we're going to have a promo against you because we used to be WWE. And granted, their main event program right now is John Moxley versus Chris Jericho. But yet, with, it doesn't feel Pac like... involved as well. Yeah, but it, and with all that, it still doesn't feel like that's a WWE program. Like, they I mean, have... it, it, it's kind of the same way that, like, when Nitro had the NWO, the NWO did not feel like WWE products. They felt, you know, Hollywood Hogan did not evoke WWE. No, he evoked a guy who decided to go into business for himself. Yeah. And I think... It, now you made me think about it. God, that's kind of what they're doing here. It makes it feel like they're going into business for themselves, except for here. It's like everybody's looking to raise the sales. It's not like somebody's looking to raise the sales against WCW. No, we all want to raise the sales and give you an alternate wrestling product. And on that regard, regardless of certain match qualities, they have succeeded. I think it's also why they've been really smart with not just picking up any WWE name that they could. Yeah, and like I agree. E- even even probably the closest to someone brought in for being like just a WWE name that you would recognize in Jake Hager, they've managed to make feel a like a distinct property from his WWE character. It also didn't hurt that Chris Jericho immediately buried the one WWE thing people were trying to do about him with the We yeah. the People. You know, I saw, I saw, speaking of chants that haven't gone over, I saw someone point out on uh, Reddit, and it's something I've definitely noticed, something that I didn't think about, but I've noticed now. It's really nice to not hear what chants. Yeah, right? Seriously. I, I, that is my least favorite chant ever. I will, as much as I liked him back in the day, I will always detest Stone Cold to some degree for that chant. It's really and there's some the bad worst chance thing. on this week's AEW. Don't get me wrong. I mean, oh, some yeah. bad chance that really fucked this episode up. Uh, yeah, I, we're gonna have to mute that. But at um, least it's sorry. Not what chance? Yep. Look, look. Really, the what chance is the worst thing Stone Cold Steve Austin did in the early 2000s. I'd argue it's the worst thing he ever did, and leave it at that because everything else is pretty all right to mediocre. Yeah, definitely. So, I guess my final question for for this is like. Where do we see AEW going? Do you think that they're going to be to be able to expand the audience any this year, or is it just going to be kind of a holding pattern as they're building themselves up and, and really establishing themselves? 
I feel like by the end of the year, we're going to be consistently over the 1 million mark. I I feel like they've kind of hit a, a, a very loose, kind of cracked glass ceiling that has been hit by people before. But I think it's a case where they're just going to need to take time, just continually just being at this high level and just slowly grow back notice that hasn't been in wrestling before. And there's going to be something momentous that happens if they keep this up. They've got the talent to have big moments, be it Orange Cassidy, be it even someone like Joey Janela or Chris Jericho. They have so many people who could create that moment for them with connections to the world around them. And they're handling this in such a nice, inclusive way. I don't see how they can't, they might stay flat this year. I kind of think they're going to stay flat and maybe increase a little bit. But I think that even if they do that, over the next four years, you're going to have a breakout moment, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that and lean towards that. Of like, I, I, I see this year definitely being kind of a flat year. I definitely see this, like, you know, I, I don't see them doing, like, poorly, but I don't see them really, like, expanding beyond the numbers that they've had so far. Like, but it's all in service of setting the, of setting the stage, of putting the pieces there so that... In 2021, they can really set it the fuck off. Yeah, like, I'll put this out there. Like, I have a bunch of non-wrestling fan friends because I like to try and keep normal with my, uh, like, social circles. And I've got friends who know about Luchasaurus without me telling them about him. I have friends who know about um, Aubrey Edwards without me saying anything. And stuff like that is starting to pop out into the mainstream. Something big is going to happen and get noticed like that. Like, they're starting to poke at those walls. I yeah. think Orange Cassidy being very gifable helps. Oh, for sure. He's amazing. He helps a lot, too. Like, I've seen people kind of show his stuff off, although mostly that's me sharing his stuff because everybody loves Orange Cassidy. Um, yeah, like, I feel like... I do feel like AEW needs needs to have one holy shit moment happen. Yep. And, like, I know that we were just talking about how it's great that they don't have, like, they're not stinging it up with all these former WZ or WWE rejects. I feel like they need one person... One big name to jump ship. And I did think that that was going to be Randy Orton that was going to bring them over the edge. Nah. I, I just can't agree with that one. But um, I, I don't know if the big moment can just be somebody debuts. I think it's going to have to be somebody decides, you know, to that not only is AEW worth it to jump away from being active in WWE, mm-hmm. but then to create a moment on top of that. It's to call back to something that we said earlier. It's gonna need to be a broken Matt Hardy thing. Yeah, it's gonna exactly. Need to be something that just came out of fucking nowhere. That I mean, nobody could have seen coming, and just our, blows the fuck up. The thing that comes to my mind of like something that no one would see coming would be kind of to echo the Hollywood Hogan moment. What if John mm. Cena? I mean, I I think you'd be more likely to see Cena in New Japan than you would uh, AEW. 
Just putting that out there. If they, like, what if, what if John Cena, but, but for the first time in like 15 years, what if he'll Cena? I really don't think that's going to help anybody really dead serious think that would be a huge mistake. I don't think they can work off that. That's just impact and what they used to do. Mm. Whether AW can pull it off this year or, you know, anytime soon definitely remains to be seen. But I, I will say that one thing I definitely think can help them with this is, you know, as we said before, it's just the fact that it just feels so different that like watching that yeah. show is just ju- such a different experience and, and they need to keep doing things like, you know, like last week and this week, like, and I'm, I'm going to just say it like right now as we're starting to transition into like, you know, doing a very quick, uh, it's AEW on a boat. Do you care? But okay. like, I'm not going to sit here and say that this week's episode was great. It I wasn't. think it had a lot I of fucking really problems. I actually enjoyed this episode for the most part. Okay. And look, there were definitely some great things on it. There were def- definitely some, I wouldn't say, like, worse segments on there, but some mm. real not good shit on there, pal. Yep. At the same time, though, it always felt different. Just being on this boat, being in this environment, this fucking crowd, it's like... Stuff like this is going to really set you apart. Stuff like this that's not just like, you know, the WWE mentality of literally every show, no matter where they are, looks the exact fucking same. This was the biggest WCW Monday Nitro moment I've ever seen from another organization that isn't WCW. Like, they they had the fucking beach set. Yeah, and they completely pulled it off, I think. Regardless of the quality of the episode itself, like... The vibe that they were going for, absolutely perfect. I agree. I think they completely nailed it. I think this is this has got to be a spring break tradition. Or winter well, break, I, mean, I guess, but doing, you know. They, they're, they're broadcasting live from the boat next year. Mm-hmm. Which hopefully that'll make it better to do it actually live instead of this weird, like, taped thing where I don't think they really did a great job with the editing. No, I, and I think their editing needs work going forward. I think they've kind of been just skin of their teeth for too long on that. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully they especially improve. Especially if you're going to be moving dark to television here. Yeah, they they really have uh, some issues there. But hey, like as we said though. For all the episodes, all the problems this episode had, there was some really good shit on there. Like, say for example, the fucking opening match. Jesus Christ! That opening match was good. Yeah. Fucking Kenny uh, Omega and Hangman Adam Page versus SCU for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Mm-hmm. Weird. Some four of arguably the most talented people had a good ass match. They had a really good ass match. And the first ever title change in yes. AEW history. Yeah. The first ever title change. It's amazing. It's going to fuck up my ranking so wonderfully. It's I'm, I love it. And it was just a super fucking sunny match, just like all the fucking near falls they did. Like, it was just, you know, for as much as we have, you know, for as much as we've kind of been low on SCU and their and their run with the belts here, like, this was a perfect fucking way to get it off of them. It made them look like fucking stars. Yes. And not only that, 
but it made Hangman Page and his divide with Kenny Omega look fantastic because Kenny Omega had basically set the table for Page, and then he just goes ham, absolutely ham, setting up to be a great solo star while also at the same time fucking dominating the end of this match. Yeah, and also doing a a great job of, like, you know, Hangman fucks it up by, like, taking out Kenny with the buckshot lariat, but, like, Mm -hmm. he he basically has to carry a bunch of the match on his own after that, and it's just, it so works. Yeah, and not only that. this is also gone a long way into fixing AEW's problems with both Hangman and Kenny. This is maybe the smartest thing they've done with both of them, I agree. Because... Hangman was definitely not ready for that singles run at the start of AEW, but I would totally believe him as someone that could beat Jericho now. And not only that, but by the time he drops those titles, which they can drop into pretty much anybody they want now, it, it like it, they're not going to be a stable tag team. We know this. Mm-hmm. But when he drops those titles, he can go at Jericho again. By that Hell, time, this and it would make sense. Be the way to get them on Santana and Ortiz, I think set so. Up that Jericho, Hell yeah. I think that's the only way you can really do that. Is like if, especially if Mox ends up taking the belt. Spoilers. Also, I'm gonna just throw this out there. Did you see his cry on this week? I did not. I wish I had seen it. Thought this was going to be a booze cruise. <laughs> Damn it. Adam Page is legitimately one of the funniest human beings alive in wrestling. Also, to be fair, from what I understand, the Jericho Cruise kind of is a booze cruise. It, it is. It like as they said when he was drinking the beer, it's like not like anybody to pay for that. I mean, look, that crowd definitely was uh rowdy. Yeah, and can we just say also, like, Hangman's celebration after the match may be one of my favorite celebrations of all time. Just body surfing while drinking the beer. Yes! That's like, how much better can you get as somebody who is such a wreck as him (laughs) to celebrate like that? I love it. It's fantastic. They're doing such good work with Paige now. It is it is quickly turning upwards for me, that whole storyline, and I'm amazed how quickly they've done it. it. It's so good. I'm also glad that they haven't leaned too much into the alcoholism aspect. Oh, no, they haven't. They just, they make it clear that he has issues and that, but it's not like he's not doing the animal hawk thing. Yeah. Yeah. As we, as we said last week, they've been doing, they've been walking a very fine line with it very smartly of... He's never drinking in the ring. He's never doing dangerous shit. He's never doing stupid shit. It's always after matches. It's always mm-hmm. on commentary. It's always he's like not, celebrating. He's not wrestling drunk either. Yeah. Right. Because at that point, then they have to start talking about why aren't refs stopping him. Yeah. yeah. Why isn't Why isn't AEW forcing him to go to rehab like any yeah. sports league would do? Right, and that's to say nothing of the fact that that is just a problematic storyline to begin with when you go down that road. Yeah. So, yeah. F- fucking love everything they're doing here. They're playing it very smart. Yep. Also playing it smart was cutting at that fucking Britt Baker promo. That, that was JR's best call. 
of AEW where he's just like, all right, we're just going to go to commercial now. This is just going to go on for a bit. Britt Baker is currently the biggest mistake of pulling a trigger too early that AEW has had. As far I as I'm concerned, like, I wanted to like this promo. Like I heard about it because, like, I heard about it in the in the spoilers. Like I heard I heard them talking about it on on Wrestling Observer Radio uh, earlier, and mm-hmm. just like they they seem kind of positive on it. It's like, all right, cool. She's calling Tony Schiavone a shitty barista and getting major heat for that. That's okay. I can see that. But just the fucking delivery on all of this. She felt like she had been concussed the way she was talking. She just could not have sounded more bored. Yeah. See, if you compared this, you compared this to uh, the "You want to play twenty one? Well, I got twenty two. That's kind of what it felt that like to me. That was a more coherent promo. I mean, In- I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this out there. Drunk Jake Roberts managed to make. Manage to still actually, if you think about it, make that promo coherent because he's referring to just having a twenty-two caliber. Is he? Shit. I, yeah. God damn! Wait, I didn't, really? I yeah, didn't that's think about what it that. is. Is you want to play twenty-one? Oh. I'm just gonna shoot you. Oh. 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 Wait. Okay. Oh fuck! Oh, this promo's oh. awesome now! Shit, I have turned 180 on that promo now. So okay. Am I. Shit, he's a murderer? Okay. Okay, yeah, Jesus, okay. Like, Jake Roberts is, uh. Yeah, God like, damn, here's dude. The thing. Drunk as shit, Jake Roberts still actually had tells a more coherent promo than whatever the fuck Britt Baker. Okay, fair. I, I get it, trying to make the point of, like, Tony Schiavone's been gone for a while and saying that he's just been doing some dumb bullshit job that no one cares about. But, yeah, just, like, you're a barista, a shitty barista. I which, am a dentist. Oh, yeah. your teeth are crooked. You should make an appointment with me. I, like, it, it's so bad. It Don't ever have a talk again if that's how it's going to be. It is sub-Nightmare Collective. It is. I 100% I was, agree. Honestly, like, I hate to say it, but, like, watching this game me fucking, like, early Ronda Rousey vibes. You're not, no, you're not you're wrong. you're absolutely right. Like, yeah. when Ronda Rousey didn't understand how to talk in a wrestling ring because we didn't scream at her until she hated us. Yep. We didn't yeah, make yeah. her legit shook. And like that, uh, credit, yeah. Ronda Rousey got better. Did she? No, she didn't. I I enjoyed Ronda Rousey's run. You also... Look, I'm not going to get into this. I don't want to be in a Slay Oscar mode right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, this is just promo fuck words. transphobes and fuck Ronda Rousey. These are yeah. related. Um, oh, the, for sure. But... Britt Baker, I feel like they need to pull the brakes on her real quick. Send her off to somebody who can cut promos. I don't care if it's Arn Anderson. I don't care if it's, you know, freaking Chris Statlander who can maybe teach her a thing or two. And Chris Statlander's not great at promos either. Um, great at booping, though. 
Yeah, she's great at booping and she knows her limits. Britt Baker went well beyond her limits and either lost the confidence, lost the edge, was too winded to figure it out, or lost the script in her head. I don't know what the fuck happened, but this was a disaster. The only good things to come out of this were Tony Schiavone mouthing out what the fuck and JR asking us to please cut the break while this woman is ranting. Yeah. Yeah. And sad but true. Yep. Priscilla Kelly's okay. Let's just can we get the belt on Chris or Ricardo already? Come on. God damn it. Yeah, like what's fucking come on. If Riho's not gonna be there, like, what are you actually doing with her? Why Absolutely. did they not drop the belt? Why did they not have Riho drop the belt? I agree. I, I don't agree know completely. Fucking have Riho drop the belt to someone in the nightmare collective. If you're going to go on with this shitty story, at least they're there. Shit, put the belt on Dr. Luther if you really have to. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> God damn it. I'd, that <coughs> tiny ass belt would look really weird around a bald Canadian man, but whatever. I'm just going to put this out there. I get the feeling, given what the rankings are doing for AEW online and how they're trying to move stuff around... They're going to try and put it on Nyla next. And I don't get it. Nyla will be good to challenge for it, but she should not have the belt next. Put the belt on Awesome Kong. I, I'm down with that. Make that happen. Have Chris or Hikaru do a run for it. Have them get it. Then you send Nyla after them. And then she can take it. This would be I, like at the end of this year at best. I mean... Put the belt on Awesome Kong so you can build to your hot to your Haas match. Sure. I'm down. They did that moment in they did that moment at double or nothing that clearly people wanted to see. They want to see that and they also want to see Aja Kong and Awesome Kong go at it. So yeah, there's where shit the fuck's to do there. Aja Kong? She's in Japan. She's in Japan being old. Yeah, she doesn't have many matches left. They need to just Pick the right time and fire the gun. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's stop beating around the bush here. Mm-hmm. That crowd fucking sang the entirety of Judas. This is my favorite moment of the night. I just, I was giddy. Just they did it multiple times because they, they, you could hear when Jericho came out for fucking commentary for the main event, they were doing it then too. They sure were. It's a good song. It is a good song, but the fact that you couldn't have any other crowd do that with any song. You know, you know, look, it's not fucking Kenny Omega's rock and wrestling rager. No, it's Chris Jericho is the fucking Shao Kahn of this boat. What I'm surprised about, though, just because I know Fozzie were on the boat. Yeah, I'm surprised they did not have Fozzie play his entrance live. I feel this is some pretty good restraint. Yeah. I I would have loved that, but I think it's pretty good restraint that they didn't do that this year. Yeah. Two babyface. Next year, maybe. He got arguably the biggest babyface reaction on the boat. I mean, he did. Like, that's why it's smart that they didn't do it, because he was already the most fucking over person. Well! Hmm. Marco's stunt was pretty fucking over. They did a very smart job in putting Chris Jericho against the even more over faces of Jurassic yes. Express, where 
the crowd was clearly conflicted. And that's good because, like, they needed to be. And the commentary was good to say, well, of course they're all cheering Jericho. He bought them the beer here, basically. It's his boat. They're not going to be angry at him on his boat. Right. This is the best hostile crowd situation you could have in 2020. Please, the Bahamas are just bizarro land. Exactly. That's what I'm, sa- that's what I'm saying. It, it's so good. And god damn, that... I'm going to go back and watch that fucking Judas open again because I, I was I admittedly marking out. already put it on his YouTube, YouTube page. Channel. Okay, cool. I'll, fuck, I'm going there then. It was fantastic. I, I ain't waiting As for shit. I'm match. Doing, the match is great. Fantastic. Santana Ortiz killed it. Yep. And, so, and so did everybody else, except yeah. for Aubrey, who missed one tag. But whatever. It doesn't matter. It was fine. Jungle it played Boy. into the story. It was fine. Yeah, sure did. Jungle Boy, I forgot. Jungle Boy's really fucking good. Jungle Boy's great. Oh, he is. He's a he's a stud. Oh God, Chris Jericho does have it up. It's so fantastic. Um, as I said, like I think the women's stuff tonight was the only real misstep. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, look. The main event was kind of hard to watch because of the crowd. That was a bad time for a boat to arrive behind them. At the same time, though, it's just a fucking boat. Why are you chanting fuck your boat at them? Look, I understand what you're trying to say. You're one of them boat bots jumping into the comments trying to say, oh, AEW's boat isn't good enough. This other boat is better. I hear you. I know what you're really being paid by. Goddamn coward. You can't even do it real genuinely. Can we get prayers up for boats out there in the chat? Press one for prayers for boats on your phone right now. I honestly thought that they were chanting Marco's better at Pac. Yeah, I had to listen a little deeper, and then thankfully commentary did call out that, or Jericho well, more yeah, Jericho specifically. specifically. He's like, yeah, no, they're angry at the at another boat. Because our, our boat is, my boat is better. Jericho is pretty good at guest commentary other than he heals too hard, but I can't blame him for it. Um, but yeah, like I think that, um... It's typical Jericho content of yep. he's so good at this shit that he completely loses the plot sometimes and just goes in his own fucking head. He really does. Real. I I do want to say I do want want to just call out though. It's like it's like when he said how he put on all that weight for New Japan so he could have like a Stan Hansen look. It's like that's bullshit. But I believe that you believe that. Oh yeah. Sorry, you were saying Oscar. I, I do just want to call out, um, just because I know we skipped ahead a little bit, but yo, that MJF segment fucking ruled. <laughs> yeah. Yup. That was good. That was like, very th- thoughtful. <laughs> MJF is awesome. This Cody MJF feud is awesome. Like... That- that fucking senton that he took into that goddamn pool. He fucking sold getting thrown into a pool so hard. It's so good. They had to have their pool moment, even if it 
didn't really land the same way the old WCW ones did, I don't give a shit. It's good. It was fucking perfect. Every single year, MJF needs to be thrown into a pool just for existing. I, I'm i all for this. That'd be great. The best... Get, I, I'd argue maybe, maybe the actual pop of the night was when Cody's like, hey, you only said that I can't touch you. And that yep. double super and kick. As, yeah, as he's, and like, as he's saying this, just the crowd is starting to freak out because they just see the buck sneaking up behind him. Yep. And then when he times it perfectly, he's like, hey, but they can super kick. Well, what I also love, too, is the crowd is chanting, you fucked up, and MJF is selling it like, no, I didn't fuck up. I got the right deal here. And not realizing, no, we know exactly what's going on. He just sold the ignorance of that. MJF is so good, and the fact that he's so young is like I am. I need. I'm really. He's. He could be the wrestler of the 2020s. He could be. I, Absolutely. Yeah. And he's the just, 2030s. God, yeah, he's that young. As long as he doesn't like do some milkshake duck bullshit. And ruin his character saying something completely offensive and bigoted. Yeah. I think he's got a strong, strong future. Think about it this way, Oscar. In 10 years, MJF will be the age that Cody is now. That's fucking Ooh. crazy. Again, yeah. I think I'm the same age as MJF. Yeah. That just has me sad about what I'm doing in 10 years' time. Look, man, I'm 36. I'm sad about what I'm doing after all these mofos. Like, Kenny Omega is my age. He's, like, two days older than me. Fuck. Shit, Johnny Gargano is the same age as me. (laughs) It gives me feelings. Oh, wait, no, it's Ricochet that's the same age as me. Just think about all the hard times they've had that have been captured on video. And that ones you've not had to deal with in quite that kind of situation. Wait. Uh, I guess it's true. I, I did see what happened on Monday where uh, uh, fucking they kicked Ricochet in the dick and said a computer took your job, Daddy. Yeah, exactly. It happens. Hot times, Daddy-o. Anything else from AEW you want to discuss? No, I think it was a pretty decent show for something that was very obviously... Something they had to couple together at DDP Yoga's head headquarters very quickly, and they did a good job. Moxley Pac was fine. Yeah, Moxley, uh, I guess the whole blindness thing is okay. Please don't have that by revolution. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be done by, like, next week. I, Look, I think he was... PCO is staying with Ring of Honor, so they need an eye patch guy. <laughs> Moxley really did not look like he was comfortable wearing that goddamn bandage and eye patch. He did not like that. He should have. He should have gone full pirate, gone with the boat theme. If Kyrie oh, Sane's were, not doing that gimmick, it's free for the taking. They did chant "Pirate King" in him, so hey, that's all I got. All right. Well, then this episode's been really fucking long, so let's end it. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm going for. Let's end it. Plugs, Trace, go. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PSEG. You can find me on Twitch. I'm actually starting to stream again, motherfuckers. And Yay! I also say fuck a lot. I'm so sorry if your ears are not the kind that like hearing swears constantly. Um, the Twitch word. Yeah, the fuck word, daddy. Um, Twitch.tv slash peace egg. That's P-E-A-C-E-E-G-G. Uh, streaming at least two days a week, maybe four if we're lucky. Very nice. Oscar, plugs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Osog the Great, Instagram at Osog the Great, twitch.tv slash Osog the Great. If you look up Osog the Great on any social media site, you'll probably find me. What if I want to type in Osaga the Great in a place that allows me to, to give, send, or receive money? Oh. Well, so Venmo doesn't exist in Canada, unfortunately, so I don't have any kind of social media money site. But Sorry, um, you're still not able to get Venmo at I am John GM. Pay the man. But don't don't pay that one. That's not me. But, oh, uh, <laughs> don't pay that one. There is always um ENG.1966 at Yahoo.ca on a PayPal. That is my real Pay. email address. Pay the man. Pay the man. Pay the man. And I've been your host, John Gavrice Maxwell. You can find me a whole myriad of places on the internet, including Twitter at I am John GM, Instagram at I am John GM, Twitch at video underscore shames, TikTok at video shames. I don't know. Other social medias that I have. I already basically said the other one, so I'm not if even going to do the bit where we drag it out and I pretend like I don't want to save my Venmo, but then I do save my Venmo. Venmo um, what actually, I am John. Pay the man. Also, that's my Venmo too. Pay pay me if you want to. If you want to pay me, I am John. <laughs> do it, coward. Yeah, do send, it, coward. Send John money, and then he'll send me fifty percent because that's socialism. We're seizing the means of Venmo. <laughs> Uh, this, this is, is now a co-op. This is what um, this is what the right has told me socialism is. <laughs> hey, if you actually do want to engage in socialism here, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that's what Patreon is. That's kind of what Patreon is when you think about it. It's pretty close to co-op-ish kind of stuff, I guess. I don't know. Owen gets all the money. We don't see any of it, but that's fine. Don't worry, Owen. Do not pay me, you son of a bitch. Pay John. Pay me! Make yeah, me pay John. my job! I've been doing he, this for fucking seven years for you, you asshole! Yeah, like, pay John, dude. I, Fuck! I mean, look. I pay 20 bucks a month on this Patreon. How much of that does John see? Owen. John, how much of my Patreon money did you get? Zero. Why do you think I plug my Venmo? <laughs> <laughs> pay me we are being right evil right now, and I love it. Pay me on PayPal so I can keep supporting the show. Regardless, you should go give us money at Patreon.cool. It's not just cool, it's give us money. And the reason I'm saying that you should do that is because, hey, there's like two pay-per-views this weekend between uh, Worlds Collide and the Royal Rumble, and so Owen and I are going to review them. But John, will we get to watch you, will we get to listen to you drink as Owen... (laughs) presses some numbers 
actually, yes! Because if you give us money by Friday, or I mean anytime really, but on Friday, Owen will be posting the royal the annual Royal Rumble Lottery episode that usually is part of Heel Turn where he just draws all the random numbers and I get angry and sometimes I storm off the episode. This year, because it was a Patreon exclusive, I just drank this bottle of whiskey this right here. Well, Chris fact, I literally have a shot that I poured myself before this episode that I was going to chug before we did it, and then I just forgot. Will, uh, will, will the exploits of Todd Chrisley ever show up on Patreon? Chrisley Cast Episode Zero will show up sometime. <laughs> it may be it. It may be the January ten dollar episode because it sounds like y'all aren't doing the Wrestle Kingdom review. But yeah, hey, um, we kind since of. Since you didn't um, want to do that, guess what, Oscar? You know what happens next weekend, right? Is it more? Is it time for a new beginning? It might be time for a new beginning. It might be time for <laughs> the Idiot's Guide to New Japan to return. For you know, new beginnings in Osaka. You know, I think y'all are doing that New Japan job better than us. I guess I'm just going to bow out of here and let y'all... I can't can't believe we're the New Japan editors. Uh, How did that happen? Well, I mean, first off, you just got to, you know, start supporting Gaijin, like the Bullet Club's finest. uh, I don't know, like the Girls of Destiny, Kenta, and uh, Chase Owens. I can't believe they let white English wrestler Kenta into New Japan. (laughs) He is so goddamn white. And, you know, he's there with that, like, foreigner ELP. Hashtag Kenta so white. <laughs> God damn it. Where, where's, where's Killer Mike? I mean, give it time. No, you're thinking Killer Elite Squad. Oh, right. But that's, that's Suki Goon. You son of a bitch. Son of a bitch! You son of a He's, bitch! That's how it works. Wait, no, I thought that was great bash heel. I'm gonna go get my chewy chips ahoy. I'll be back later. <laughs> well, guess what, everybody? We're gonna give you all the time to get your chewy chips ahoy. Give us money at Patreon. Cool. Uh, you're gonna get like two different podcasts this weekend. Maybe even a third if I give Owen Chrisley cast episode zero. Uh, and then, yeah, tune in on Monday for heel turn. I probably won't be on it because there's a show that I want to go to instead. I probably should tell Owen that. Well, guess so, what, Owen? I'm not going to be on Monday's episode. Find someone else. Hey, Owen, I'll do it. This is going to be a recurring thing soon because 90 days, so fuck you. Get used to it. How many days are left? Uh, unfortunately, I've, I feel like I've decided that the clock is, is reset for a little bit. So, twenty-five days. How many days? How many days until Raw after Mania, which will be my last of, will be my last official episode as as the co-host of Heel Turn. Man, hey, I don't know. What oh, day God. is WrestleMania? WrestleMania thirty-five was on Sunday, the seventh of oh. April. Hey Siri, what day is WrestleMania thirty-six? This is bad content. This is bad content. We're not doing this anymore. I, I, I wish I had the timer. This has been episode 14 of Heel Alternative, the best podcast on the internet about wrestling and also other things. We'll see you next week. Until then. Xbox, turn off.
<laughs> yes. Oscar was never seen again. <laughs> podcast is brought to you by the Zonecast Network, executive produced by Owen Douglas. Visit zonecast.com for more shows. 